NFTs is a very emotionally loaded term where some people love it, some people hate it. It's very polarizing and that's not good for a platform that wants to have the blue ocean strategy or connect with the most people to also mention. So we have to kind of do this in a way which appeals to most people that don't know it's NFTs. If it's an NFT, you know it's an NFT in the background, but we don't tell people it's an NFT outside. We don't hide it. We just kind of make it a bit, we just word it differently. And that makes all the difference. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Floor is Rising, with host Sabretooth, a professional NFT collector, and Kizu, a professional art critic. On this podcast, we talk deeply about the business of creating, collecting and analyzing NFTs. So, if you are a creator or a collector of NFTs, jump in. The water is warm. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Floor is Rising. With me today is Boffin. Um, he is the writer of a, uh, one of the writers on Page One, which is a NFT newsletter slash community. And he wrote uh, the Reddit NFTs thesis, which uh, was you know one of the best sort of NFT show threads I've, I've ever read. Uh, and so I invited him on the show. Boffin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, <laughs> Boffin. Tell us, uh, what? How did you get into NFTs? It's a very long way of doing that. It's also at the beginning. I got into crypto in twenty thirteen, and I was mining Dogecoin like day one on my graphics card in my home PC. So while I was mining Dogecoin, there was like a community forming behind it, and the community basically was like, "Oh, I'll, I have my Dogecoin. I'll sell you a Steam key, um, a Steam gift card for the certain game or like certain items on Steam." So that's like how I started trading uh, crypto for certain items I wanted. I was a teenager at the time. So I was like, oh, well, I can get like games for mining on my PC. That's really cool. Then that sort of died down. If you, if you know about Mount Gox and the crash there, I actually withdrew my funds two days before it crashed. Wow. Like entirely. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's actually one of the more interesting things that people like, oh, that gets their eyes open. After that, I've been like active here and there, but like as a, not as a partisan, but like as a lurker. So in the 2017 ICO mania, I invested in some stuff, lost the keys for them, so I don't know if they're well or not, that sort of thing. But I think this time around, I joined in 2020 at the end of DeFi summer when I was looking at how are the crypt- how's crypto doing now? Because in the ICO mania, it, there was a lot of promised potential, like, oh, we're going to make X, Y, and Z. And in 2020, the end of DeFi summer, things were improving. And you could see actual protocols like Aave and um, Yen and whatnot. So I was I was trying to go all ham there. But then I actually stumbled upon Axie Infinity accidentally. And I was like, oh, what's this? So this is an NFT. And from there, that's when I like started going deep because of Axie Infinity. And I looked at all of the other, what's going on, how you can improve upon it. And suddenly in my mind, it just went back to my Doe Queen trading days where you could now trustlessly exchange these items, which might be worth a lot in the future, but they might not be. And that's sort of the name of the game here. So from there, I've been involved in NFTs ever since. And I've tried to become an active participant now. I'm not being active at all for the past nine years. So I was like, this is now the time because I've seen people have multiple cycles of experience. And while I could say the same, I was never invested in emotion or like financially in this. So that's like a really long way of introducing how I know NFTs and how they're long. Awesome. Um, so, you know, 
I had a look at the, uh, the, 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 your writings um, on page one and your latest um, article, which is the Reddit NFTs thesis, um, is, is the longest article you've written. But also, more interestingly, it's the first time you've sort of formed and shared a, a particular sort of NFT project thesis. I think the rest of your writings is, is around, around specific artists and then, and then there's a general one about game comics. So tell me what, like, how did you come to the decision to actually share this, essentially? Um, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a very good question. I think when I was looking at the Reddit NFTs, like just from the get-go, like we knew about them early on because you had Cryptos News that launched like last year during the um, main deal, the bull run, where there was like one setting for 150 ETH and so on and so forth. But then that had stopped and then Reddit announced that, hey, we're going to do collectible avatars. So the page one team knew about it, but then the sale came on and the stuff wasn't moving or it wasn't selling at all. And that was generation one. And we're like, okay, so like, Reddit hate NFTs, and that's where like a lot of the voice of the concerns were NFTs killed planets and stuff, and that was all shared. And then I don't know, it was it was, it was a stroke of luck. Someone I I was on Twitter, and I can't remember who, but they're talking about like Reddit NFTs did a drop two, and it was specifically Halloween themed. And when I looked at it, I looked them on Friday, and they were just sold out. So I was like, this is interesting because the first edition took months to sell out, the second one took a day. So that's a very that's a massive increase in demand over a short period of time from one generation to the next. Started looking into all of these things. And then the article which you're reading was formed in my mind in five minutes. But to type it out fully took a lot longer because I had to explain why I was thinking the way I was thinking. So in my mind, it was like, this is a new ecosystem that can onboard a lot of people. And they're doing a lot of stuff that I had always thought that people were not doing correctly when they were talking about their web3 strategy and like we want to onboard onto web3 and so on and so forth reddit did that in a way that it no one's done it before so between the the jump in demand the way they were using blockchain technology as a methods of backend delivery not front end and how seamless the integration of the platform all of them kind of led me to be like okay i have to write about this in a way because a lot of people won't understand this initially, what's going on. And even now, you will see people like, oh, you can use your NFTs to customize your potential avatar. You don't have to, you don't have to make it on-chain. It's all off-chain when you're customizing, but you need to buy the NFT. And right now, there's very few people that are actually buying those NFTs because there is no Reddit marketplace. So there's a lot of things you could write about. And I wouldn't say I was early, early, but I was relatively early when I kind of did my massive buying and then they got noticed by a lot of people. So I was like, okay, I think I have to type about, about this because there's eyes on this and I don't want to be, it's not like I'm a madman because I just spent so much so quickly when people were like, oh, we had one sale randomly over weeks, which was like one ETH or two ETH. So I just wanted to kind of lay down my piece on how I think it would play out because that's what I found in my mind. There was a good exercise in kind of writing, consolidating what you know, gathering data sources and so on and so forth. Yeah, like, uh, so, I mean, obviously, like, um, you, you've bought other NFTs before. Like, I mean, would you say that the amount that you bought is kind of shows, like, 
one of your highest conviction bets out of all your sort of NFTs, and and, and this is one of the reasons why why you're sharing. A little bit, yeah. So I've relative to the amount of capital I had to invest, this is not one of the biggest ones, relatively speaking, and percentage wise. But like for a proper like dollar value, this is certainly one of the biggest I've made so far. And I've had some bets work out really well, some like completely fizzle out and fade. So like it's just the name of the game. But with Reddit specifically, it's the fact that it's Reddit that made them. And it's how they delivered all these things and what the market potential was where I went, okay, this isn't an NFT project. This is like web, this is like a web three implementation, what I've been talking and raving about for months with people, like once people sort of wake up to how you want to create these and how you want to integrate them in, in a manner that makes sense to people. Reddit was the first, is the first of its kind to do it in this way. You have Decentraland, you have um, Sandbox, and you have all of the other projects that are promising the metaverse. And while some look good, some look bad, and it's all really objective, Reddit kind of is it's seamlessly in a place where people use it anyways. And in my mind, there was always, you can convert, it's not even in my mind, but you can always convert users easier than acquire new ones. So in that sense, this just made too much sense too quickly. One of the things uh, that that you talk about um, is 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 that you, you you know your background at least for study is uh, is is in behavioral economics, and one of the things you talk about is that and that's significant is that is that these things are not called NFTs; <laughs> these are things are called collectible avatars. Um, can you talk about you know how important do you think that is? Because that's quite an unusual move. I have a background in behavioral economics. For my masters so that basically translates to how do i model real behavior in a way that would make sense for companies to interpret in the data or like how would we design better things for people to use in a way that is kind of intuitive where in economics there's this huge problem where you can make all of these great models and they can be as detailed as you want but normal people don't behave like that and the best example I can give you is in, in an economics model, if you have a passenger and he wants to get a train anywhere to go, they have two options. One has no stops, but it costs more, like a fraction more, while the other one has 10 stops and it costs them slightly less. The traditional economics model would basically say that they would use, they would want to maximize the money they have. So they would use option B, which is a lot of stops. But then a real person, as an example, they wouldn't care as much if it's like um, a 10 cent rise in tickets because it's getting them faster there. It doesn't account for time value and stuff like that. And that's kind of how behavioral economics thinks about all these things in the world. So that's kind of how behavioral economics kind of clicks in. When I talked in the Reddit term where NFTs are villainized and it's actually not an NFT, it's a digital collectible, it's... It's marketing at its finest, but it's also understanding the medium because NFTs were never meant to be just pictures on the blockchain. They are here now, but it doesn't mean they will be there forever. So right now, in my opinion, what we're seeing is like it's like the initial wave of how stuff happens, similar to how it happened in cryptocurrency as a whole, where, oh, Bitcoin is like digital money. But then from the Bitcoin forums later on, we had Vitalik come in and say, I'm going to make Ethereum, which is basically... Uh, platform of decentralized smart contracts which interact with each other and then in that ecosystem we have stuff like DeFi and Aave and you have Alchemix which is one of my favorite protocols for innovation 
And now you have kind of NFTs as the entire subsector where you can come and go, okay, so an NFT in the plainest and at its core is essentially a bookmark on the blockchain. That's how you should think about it. An NFT is a bookmark on the blockchain that is irrefutable. What you bookmark is essentially up to you. Right now, people are thinking of them as monkey JPEGs or blog um, of board apes, or you have CryptoPunks, or you have Azuki or whatever. And that's fine as one angle, but the technology behind it is a lot more interesting. But because of the negative connotation that ETH and Bitcoin had when they were proof of work, where you're going, oh, why is why are we burning so much like um, fossil fuel to power this digital fake money? People have the negative connotations. And then NFTs came in. And of course, there were people that were using existing art that wasn't there to sell for a lot higher. And then there's a whole negative connotation where if you want to support artists, commission them instead and all these NFTs. But they didn't see anything past that where you can't get royalties kind of tracked back at you, either through platforms or through EIPs that haven't passed yet. You can't you can't discriminate when you're selling on a marketplace. Like you don't know who the seller is. You just know that I want to buy this. Someone is selling it for a certain price. If I press buy, it doesn't matter what time it is, what day it is, there is no inefficiencies. I can just buy it all. Everyone is accessible to the markets. So there's a lot of things happening here. Well, Reddit came in and they said, okay, so we want to have a free strategy, but NFTs is a very emotionally loaded term where some people love it, some people hate it. It's very polarizing and that's not good for a platform that wants to have the blue ocean strategy or connect to the most people to also mention. So we have to kind of do this in a way which appeals to most people that don't know it's NFTs. If it's an NFT, you know it's an NFT in the background, but we don't tell people it's an NFT outside. We don't hide it. We just kind of make it a bit, we just word it differently. And that makes all the difference because the way that innovation normally plays off is it has to be somewhat relatable, but it has to be relatable in a manner where you can see, okay, so this is how option A works. Option B basically takes option A and improves it by X. So that's how it all works. And that's how it all certainly kind of clicking in this way where it's not an NFT, it's, it's a digital collectible or a collectible avatar, so to speak, because most people will not care this runs on the blockchain and what it does. They'll only care about what it does for them and what it does for people using it. And NFTs are too tied to crypto and crypto is too tied to all the shady stuff in the world like money laundering and Lord knows what else, even though that's not true, but that's the perception of it. I just want to like play this out a bit in terms of how how you how you see I guess um, uh, this going. So are you seeing this as essentially uh, uh, especially the Gen Zero and the Gen One um, uh, 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 NFTs? Do you see them as basically becoming like flex items like later on? Um, as more and more NFTs get issued in, in different stages, that the the earliest ones start becoming uh, basically like flex items, like like you know like like punks or apes or whatever it is, which which are flex items to the Ethereum sort of blockchain uh, NFT community. That these sort of early sort of Reddit collectible avatars become flex items to the people within the Reddit ecosystem? Is that is that how you see this going? 
Yeah, um, I think NFTs or like digital collectibles as they've been avatar are inherently what they are, collectibles. So the longer the gen the longer the collectible avatars go on and the more people onboarded, it's always the fact that the oldest one or the first one will be worth the most. And it's very much going to be like flex item. And I think to kind of add more credence to that, you will you can see the same thing in stuff like Twitter as well, where the earliest the earliest people have like the best handles where the founder of Twitter has the handle at Jack. That's desirable by a lot of people. Then you also have all of these other people that are joined at a certain date and they can kind of flex that, oh, we were early to this tech, so to speak. Then you have stuff like ENS um, domains where it's it's a, it's a very big flex to have like a single digit ENS or like three digits, so to speak, or having your own name because now there was like an entire ENS issuing meta where, oh, we want to have physical names to sell to other people. And if we have that, I want to be known as a certain thing. And I, I want to be known as the holder of, I don't know, God.eth or like Jesus.eth or something like that. So in a in a world where we're living digitally a lot more on our screens, whether that's phones, desktops, stuff like that, wherever you're staying the most, you always want to stand out as like an individual self where I am my own personal, my own thoughts and feelings. So if that can either translate to I either stand out in a way where my opinions are mattered a lot or it stands out in a way that I was here earlier or like I spend the most amount of money and I have all these status items, so to speak. And the way the Reddit NFTs work is it isn't just a flex item because you spent so much money. It can also be a flex item that you were here very early. And then you can also have your karma on the Reddit to kind of back you up for this where you can only prove that, okay, you were early to Reddit, but you were early to collectible avatars as well. But yeah, flex item is probably one of the biggest ways that I'm seeing these kind of play out. Can you explain, I guess, to the audience a bit about, I guess, the personalization um, aspect of, of these Reddit entities, like how it works and how do you, I guess, see it playing out like into the into the future? Because I think you, you noted that this was one of the, one of the, I guess the, the the more unique aspects of the of the Reddit um, sort of avatars uh, characteristics. Sure, sure. So <clears throat> um, early on in the space um, for NFTs, the major problem or one of the big, the biggest things was each NFT is unique. So if you have one NFT and you kind of have that, that basically proves who you are. Now that's fine from a certain angle where. If I want to prove who I am on chain, I can have certain NFTs to back me up by saying, okay, so Boffin will own these certain NFTs, so I know that's Boffin. So I can use that to then maybe give Boffin a whitelist on uh, different projects. Maybe I can integrate them into a multi-sig, so I want to know that address. But what the problem with that is, if you want to sort of stand out or you want to associate a profile picture NFT with it, you are stuck with that forever. Because that profile is unique. If you want to change your clothes or change your appearance, you have to either change your PFP to something, some other NFT which you have, which people may not associate with you. And it just could be the fact that, okay, so I have right now, let's say I have a board ape with a suit on, which is a trait. I don't want the suit anymore. Maybe I want to have a T-shirt, but I can't do that. I have to buy that as well. So there's an entire thing where, it's a very big commitment you're making from like a mental standpoint where 
is my NFT PFP me like full on like, throughout? Do I, will I never change this? And I, do I want people to know me about this? So that's one of the problems that NFTs have right now, where some people have pulled it off perfectly, where you have um, 4156, who was one of the founders of Nouns. You have G-Money, who's done very well for himself as well, with like the Adidas collab and his 9CC DZ, I can't remember, but like his old network clothing. And you have all these other guys that are like semi-anonymous, but they're known for their PFP, that's fine. But that's not how 90% of the people kind of use them. So when Reddit comes in and they say, okay, you can own this NFT, and this NFT is split into multiple different traits. It could be the entire body, it could be the head, it could be headgear, it could be background, and it could be a pet, so to speak. As long as you own, let's say, two of these, you have 14 different traits to play from whenever and change yourself to whatever. Because they're in your account, you we can always prove that, okay, Boffin owns these NFTs because whatever NFTs is showing off and whatever way he's doing, he owns them and he can use them that way. Maybe one day if, I am, if I'm feeling like, okay, I don't want to wear my crown, I want to rather have a cone, I can do that because that's like a whole meme aspect of the community where you can build them as well. So that's how you can kind of change everything without locking people into accountability. Locking people into one choice normally frightens them off. So if you with these NFTs, you have like, okay, you have one. And if you have multiple, you can use all these traits to make whatever you want, whenever you want, free of cost. Does your thesis depend on Reddit um, continuing to... I guess, elevate the avatars within its um, UX slash UI? Because one of the things that is a bit unique about this is that, you know, Reddit, as, as, as you sort of pointed out, is, is kind of like a text metaverse. <laughs> um, and throughout the, you know, history up to, up to this point, the avatars hasn't really been a big part of... Uh, of, of its UX or, or of what users cared about, essentially. Um, uh, but this new initiative means that um, they are sort of featuring it, um, so to speak. Uh, do, you, do you think that there is a danger that maybe an avatar gets de-emphasized as part of the, the Reddit UX or, or that maybe they, they uh, retire this particular program? Or um, Because unlike sort of, Twitter or, or ENS, like the avatar is not um, sort of like a day one feature of Reddit, right? I agree. I think it's always ultimately up to Reddit how much they want to support it and how much they want to play this out in whatever manner they want to. So it is ultimately up to them. So if they wanted to, they can say, okay, guys, Generation and Generation 2 have been all right, but they've been a massive time waste for us and we're just not canceling the project right now, which entirely throws the thesis out of the, the page. So there's always risks like that where Reddit can say, we don't want to support it. But, and that's, that's the thing that you kind of have to juggle and figure out that is that risk big enough people invest or is that a big risk you're willing to take? In my case and a couple of others, we were like, yeah, that's like a, that seems like a good bet to have a Reddit won't rug these. So from that manner, if you were looking at Reddit themselves, Initially, it used to be, or I mean, even now, you can say it's like the forum page or the front page of the internet, and that's the branding they've always taken. 
but it's not it's been quite recently actually where they've implemented stuff like oh here's a profile because when i was using reddit like nearly 10 years ago it used to be just a link that used to link back to a page where it said okay so this is boffin's posts and comments and that was it now you have stuff like likes and you have stuff like what's your history and then you have oh you can upload a profile picture of yourself and oh you can do expose there's like a proper badge showcase and all these things like that so to me it's sort of pushing to me it gives me the idea that reddit sort of wants to hold in personalization where they figured out that okay over time well, our platform is good enough for people to use and what this means is because people want to use it, they don't want to stand out just by name or like from the text they put out. They want to be visually remembered for doing some stuff as well. So in that light, what you have already done right now is it's add another layer of personalization, which also makes it easy to remember other people. Because there's a lot of Reddit accounts that are either themed or they're very meme in nature where they have some really long names or whatever but as we've seen with a lot of the stuff on twitter specifically you have people not known by the name specifically but rather by the profile picture they use whether that's an nft or not so from a personalization point people can come in and say okay this guy is called x and they also have a certain pfp and that's how i can recognize them that's from the level that you're looking as a as a fan to a creator. For a creator, it basically means that you are free to establish whatever you want to while having a prominence backed up by Reddit's platform. But okay, today I want all of my followers to, I don't know, wear the cone head because that's the amount, that's what I want to do. And that's how I want to proceed for the day or the week or whatever. For Reddit specifically, I think it's very early for them because I, I envision future where they want to really like max out with these profile pictures where right now these are all static there is nothing animated so far so maybe if you are on a commenting streak or you have something gold you have a golden aura around you or if you are losing too many if you're getting a lot of negative karma maybe that turns the background of your profile differently or you can highlight your comments you can have maybe animated avatars so on and so forth like the floor is open for them to interpret this and as we've seen, they always do these really outlandish experiments where you had, was it like slash R slash face, where you could place one pixel in the entire thing. And there was a basically a collaborative effort where people had their own communities coming out. Like you have blue line versus yellow line and so on and so forth. So in that sense, it's also not that hard to imagine. Reddit will come and say, okay, so these avatars which you have or the personalization which you've done, they're now avatars which can move around in the certain little place that we've made as a test. And then we can build that functionality out a bit more. That's a bit of hopium, like if it plays out. I don't think it, it, it might probably won't this way. But this is kind of like the day one bare bones stuff that we're seeing with what they want to do. Because as we've seen, there's 3 million free Polygon wallets, which have minted these. But more importantly than that, all of the NFTs which have been sold primarily as far as Reddit's concerned, that's a complete sellout. There is nothing remaining to be sold on the primary market. Any and all value is now being derived to the secondary market. But as far as Reddit's concerned, they have an entire 86,000 profile pictures avatars kind of sold out. And that's impressive, to say the least. And that's a, like validation in the bear market to add as well. It's super interesting. As I'm hearing you kind of talk about like 
<laughs> how different Reddit product decisions will affect the future value. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking whether like yourself and, and maybe even other people who, who own a lot of the, the avatars will start paying more attention to like Reddit product strategy <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, maybe even like care a lot about, you know, where their product is going and, and whatnot. And I was thinking this, this could be a way um, essentially for Reddit to kind of engage people like much more directly <laughs> in its basically business strategy going forward. Right. Cause it seems like uh, you, by owning such a large amount of sort of their avatars are, are financially invested in Reddit making good product decisions going forward. Yeah, yeah. So that's one way of looking at it. The other way would be that once the product is sold out from Reddit, so for example, the, the Rogem or the Faust links, they will sell for maximum of $100 per piece. And that's what a lot of Reddit got. So even if it's selling for 20000 or whatever amount it is now, <coughs> they don't see a dime of it right now because I don't think their world is enabled from a lot of the connections. Some do, some don't. So that's one thing. So as far as Reddit's concerned, once the products are sold out, they don't care about them. And that's one way of looking at it. So they could entirely say, okay, so we made $100 per NFT. And now they're selling for an X amount. So we want to make a marketplace in which... We want to encourage trading. And so the trading, when that happens, we get a bigger fee. So that's like a place where Reddit can say, okay, we want to cap the market. But more interestingly, Reddit sort of, they've also built out an entire governance stack, which I didn't know about until literally when I was researching this, where they have the premium subscriptions where you get like these moon coins, I think they're called. And that's built on Arbitrum where you now have these tokens and you can have weighted polls where someone in the community that has a big standing, they can use their words to influence, okay, I want some red go this direction or that direction. So it's a bit of a mixed bag where, yeah, Reddit should, it's a way of attracting people to Reddit and carrying about the product strategy. But in its current status, Reddit doesn't make any extra money from people being invested a bit more. So if someone comes in like a whale and sweeps, let's say $1 million worth of NFTs, Reddit doesn't see any of that. All they see is the validation of the market that, okay, what they're doing is good, but we're not getting anything physically out of this. The moment they start getting money out of this more from the secondary market, then it's kind of going to pick up a bit more work. Okay, we want to attract people a bit more into this and stay here for X, Y, and Z. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, it, you know, given the founder profile of, of Reddit, with uh, you know Alex Sohanian being, I guess, heavily involved in, in in crypto, I mean, it kind of makes sense that that they are sort of spearheading sort of the integrations with sort of Web two and, and Web three. Um, switching tack a bit, you know, because <clears throat> I mean, I'm always fascinated um, about your previous, uh, I guess, fundamental thesis on, on particular projects, maybe. Um, you'd like to uh, maybe share a, a bit about like maybe things that have worked out or things that haven't worked out? Yeah, so fundamentally, my thesis on NFT, is it's, it's very simple in manner, but it can go as deep as you want, but it's essentially long narrative technology. So that's like boiled down to a simple sentence where if I see a project that has got a good narrative around it or they're creating good narrative and they have 
interesting technology going behind them as well, where they're doing something differently that people haven't done. That's probably a project worth investing in. And a couple of these that have worked, out of the biggest one that worked out so far was before this was Artifact. So I've been holding a couple of Artifact limbs edition thesis way back before they announced CloneX was even in the works. So I have stuff from the Jeff Staples collaboration. I have like a one-on-one, it's an um, avatar board floating around and I have all these things. And I invested early into these things because I always thought that, okay, it's about digital culture, which they want to make. They want to be like a hype beastie brand, but for Web3. So that was the narrative around it. And the technology which they were doing was also interesting where they were doing different kind of drops on different places. And then they were the first to ever implement something like a forging technique where, okay, you put your NFT in here, we'll mint you a new one, but now that's been forged and we'll send that to your house. So I also have a couple of artifact wearables in my house right now. So I invested somewhat heavily at the time, but I didn't have that much capital. So I got into them. And then they announced Clonex and they said that we're going to reward you guys, the early artifact holders with all these different things. So once Clonex released, because of the amount of artifact NFTs I had, I got to mint 15 Clonexes for a price of 0.05 each. And then I ended up selling each of them for like around 15 ETH at the time. So I still hold my old rare items and I hold like a really rare uh, Clonex artifact, but then I sold the rest. And that was one of the things working out where the narrative was nailed by me and then Nike buying them kind of made everything go insane. So that was the one thing that worked out. The one thing that didn't work out or I didn't pay enough attention at the time was actually board apes, where I invest, I minted a board ape the second day they came out because the founder of board apes was on the Discord I'm normally at, was saying, oh, hey guys, I made this new project. Like, I would appreciate you kind of minting these and like getting them, whatever. And at the time, board apes was coming off in a meta that was completely changed. So if you remember early on, the metaverse, the bonding curve, the earlier you mint, the cheaper it is, but the later you mint, the more expensive it is. So by the time a collection sold out, if you were one of the few mints or the first hundred or thousand mints, you could sell an NFT for insane amounts because you'd already made the money and there was it was gas was intensive. Um, Board Apes came out and said, okay, we're gonna charge 0.08 per mint no more, no less, and that's for all 10,000. So that was the one thing they did well, which I didn't clock at the time. The other thing was they continued and they kind of leveraged what they knew from their Web2 strategies to kind of continue to make it more. So I'm into my board ape, and I remember selling it for around two ETH. So I was ecstatic. Where I kind of made a 20x, so to speak. But then what I failed to realize at the time, and that was one of the more expensive lessons where if you had a 20x, it can go 20x further because they then did the airdrops, then they did the mutant apes, they did the board ape canal, they did the ape coin drop, and then so on and so forth. So, had I kept my ape, like e to this day, I would have made a lot more money, but I completely fumbled that. And a lot of the traders that I'm friends with now for NFT specifically, most people messed up board apes because it was the first of its kind and there was no kind of barrier to kind of compare what board apes could do and would do. So that's one of the things that didn't work out in that sense. Where I made a profit, but the profit was I think I made what was it two thousand dollars at the 
time. And I was happy, I was ecstatic. But then I saw Bored Apes having a floor of 100 ETH along with the airdrops and so on and so forth. And that that $2,000 worked into a potential unrealized gain of 300,000. And that kind of still stings a little bit. But yeah, then that's just the kind of nature of the game. But yeah, the, the core pieces is very simple. It's basically long narrative and technology. Most products won't have both. If they do, they're worth investing in. I mean, Bored Apes wasn't a, fa- a failure of narrative, right? You kind of nail the narrative um, in, the, in the sense that, like, it, it, you just kind of sold too early. But the, but the narrative you kind of identified, um, uh, was, was there any um, projects where you, you thought that the narrative was right, but actually it turned out that the narrative didn't take off? Um, was there anything like that? Um, I think one of the biggest things that in which thing that surprised me the narrative never took off was actually Cool Cats, where in the beginning it was um, it was supposed to be this project which attracted all of these kind of it was supposed to attract a, a lot more wholesome crowd where you had stories of parents bonding with their kids about Cool Cats like drawing them and so on and so forth. But then if you look at the project now, like it's it's a bit directionless where they're consistently shipping out updates, but then the floor of the cool cats keeps dropping. Most um, advocates of the cool cats community left early, and then there's a recent um Twitter post I saw where they basically fired the comic artist for the cool cats thing because the floor keeps dropping as well. So I I don't know if that was a mismanaged project or community sentiment shifted or whatever, but like that was the one thing that didn't make sense to me where Cool Guts never caught on because the art style was great, in my opinion. It was unique and it's stylized. So if you saw a Cool Cat, you knew that was a Cool Cat. The founders had some known presence in Web3, um, Web which they kind of took over to Web2, uh, Web3. And the community behind it was so wholesome in the beginning and the floor price going up and it was all great. It was all going good. But then it could never kind of go toe-to-toe with the other projects. The one project I didn't nail, that's a good one actually, was Pudgy Penguins. Because as Pudgy Penguins and Cool Cats, they launched at the same time. And it had the founder, Cole, at the time, who did the Pudgy Penguins. And then there was a whole problem where, oh, he's a known scammer or like was a con artist and all the narrative wrong. So then the Pudgy Penguins um, floor fell, but then kind of crypto, crypto to the CT came in and they bought them up out of respect or like out of saying, oh, we're going to out-trade the NFT guys. And then Cole sold his project to someone else. And now Pudgy Penguins is doing great again, where we have the 400 ETH sale of the 101 Penguin. And the Penguin community now is a lot stronger and a lot more diverse. And it's everything that Cool Cats wanted to be now in the bear market, but they've been unable to. So from a narrative point, Cool Cats was supposed to have a good narrative, but it, it kind of fizzled out. Pudgy Penguins have the unexpected narrative and it's worked out great for them. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of fascinating how 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 these these things play out. I'll give you an example of a of a of a, of a, of a narrative that I <laughs> that I thought was going to take off. There's a lot of narratives that I thought was going to take off, but didn't. But um, back in sort of early 2021, there was there was Art Blocks, right, which was the first generative uh, art platform. Um, and then at the time, there was there was another project called uh, called Fromergence, um, which is also a generative art. Uh, project 
Um, and and I, I thought that Fromergence was actually superior to Artblocks um, in terms of narrative uh, because unlike Artblocks, which was static once you minute, it, it was static. Fromergence uh, uh, was, a, was a dynamic generative art project, meaning if you didn't like the Fromergence that you minted, you could uh, you could sort of trade it in <laughs> and then mint again. Um, so, I mean, and that's kind of general narrative. And I thought like that was just a superior narrative, but obviously uh, history has kind of proven me wrong. Artblock sort of went on to do like massive things and Fromergence is still quite a uh, obscure <laughs> generative art project. That's kind of dear to my heart, but I mean, the market kind of spoke. Um, so it's uh, it's kind of, fascinating just just to see you know which narratives sort of take off and which narratives don't take off essentially um so yeah that, that was that was kind of uh, an interesting narrative sort of failure on, on my part as well because with art blocks it was always interesting um to be honest with art blocks as well a lot of the narrative that i expected takeover never did where i expected chromies wiggle to do a lot better than they are now they're like these, they're starting a test of time and like they're still like very liquid and they're very stable. But during the peak bull run, I, I bought like um, a squiggle early ish on and I expected it to like I sell it for a, a ridiculous um, valuation because the Fidendas drop were happening and so on and so forth. And you had all this running them as well. But squiggles, they never took off. And I always thought that squiggles were like the epitome of art blocks where. It's unique and it's very much like Snowfro's like baby project, but nothing happened with that. And I ended up kind of like selling my art block not not too long ago as a way of like tax loss harvesting. So it worked out in that case, but even then, and I expected it to kind of do a lot better, where people would be kind of going to the the blue chip that is Wiggles, but no one ever did. So yeah, now which narrative takes over and what way we can never expect. But like I said, there's always a way of missing these things. This is kind of the. Uh, this is the the. I mean, to me, what's what's super interesting, both intellectually but also just financially, is 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 trying to predict what kind of narratives um, take off or not. I mean, we can even talk about uh, sort of the OG narrative failure and the OG narrative success, right? Which is which is crypto kitties versus crypto punks, um, because if if in twenty eighteen. Uh, Everyone would have said CryptoKitties is the project that won, right? Because because at the time, CryptoPunks was a obscure sort of project that had a few diehards, but just paled in comparison to CryptoKitties, which was like a runaway smash hit, basically. Um, and then a few years later, I mean, CryptoKitties is 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 nowhere basically um not in anyone's kind of narratives uh at all and cryptopunks has has sealed itself as as kind of the og sort of narrative success um and and and, and it wasn't that way right like it just wasn't that way um and and it's super interesting uh how the narratives around these projects have 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 progressed basically through its history um i, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that no i completely agree where in 2017, I knew about CryptoKitties at the time, and I was I even I I have a, I have a picture somewhere saved where I told my friend like, if you buy like a Gen Zero CryptoKitty now, it's going to be worth a shit ton in the future because you can't buy them anymore. People buy into them more, and that may or may not still be true, but then at the time I was I didn't understand what NFTs were, what they meant. So I, when I saw them, I saw 
like, oh, well, I have to pay ETH to like um, breed these things. And oh, ETH costs 400, whatever it was. And I'm like, why would I pay X amount to like have a digital photo at the time? It never clicked my mind, so I never did it. But yeah, no, CryptoCutesis were made by Dapper Labs or, you know, well, Dapper Labs. And the, the problem with Dapper is they have really good products when they start them. The other is Top Shots. Top Shots is what arguably started the bull run. Like it was a mixture of Top Shots and it was a mixture of hash masks. Like between these two things, people kind of really took notice to what NFTs were and what they were enabling. But then also you could argue that Dapper Labs also messed up both of the platforms for the users where Top Shots now does nowhere near what the volume it used to do. And CryptoKitties has now been like inflated into oblivion where I think there's like more like more than 4 million kitties now. Mm. I don't know, like it's, it's ridiculous now, but like Dapper Labs does really, it has thought out projects that are good, but they don't seem to scale them really well. Well, I think I think they've done quite well for themselves, but I'm not sure how well they've done for the people who own the NFTs. <laughs> so I guess yeah, that's you, the tension. You, definitely, you could definitely argue that as well. Where you can, yeah, hundred percent. They're like, oh yeah, they've they've made a killing, and they have, they score all of these great partnerships with all these so many different peoples. But for the people that are the actual part of the ecosystems, like very, very, very few have done one well and out because they realize that okay, this isn't limited here. For sure. Um, we're coming up on the hour mark. Uh, before I let you go, Boffin, um, you know, share with our users, like, what are your, I guess, what is your favorite NFT and, and why is it your favorite NFT? Uh, it... Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. So normally when I like, uh, when I buy NFTs for like avatars or like um, PFUs or collections, Normally, they're to either hold for a longer time to sell later on for a lot more money. And it's very rare that I will have an NFT, which I like because of what the project company is doing. So from that sense, what I really like is kind of buying NFTs from smaller artists. So that's why I kind of started um, Artist Spotlight on page one as well, where I have these NFTs from these artists, but I also want to know the story. And because the story is always interesting, there's always something new to learn from their experience and so on and so forth. So between my the NFTs, which are my favorite, most of them are going to be my one-on-ones that I love, where like it's a that NFT allowed me to open up a conversation with the artist to learn more about their life, their process, what they're doing, what they're not doing. And some are good friends now that I still talk to regularly. So the one-on-one collection that I have of art is what I kind of cherish the most, which I which I don't want to sell, but like if the opportunity comes. It's, it, they're going to be sold and because of the role system that's on play the artists will make a good um, a lot of money as well so that's a good thing the other one which I love um, from my normal collection would probably be my clone X because that was one of my biggest wins to date and very early on I was like okay so because the clone X I just being revealed right now I want to snipe of a snipe of really really good looking clone x again sell on for a lot more but also like it looks really cool so the one i have by clone x it has like two or three murakami traits and it's what like these really red traits as well because you can see any currency i'm actually wrote a thread on on it as well like why i think it will sell for a lot more in the future as well but that's that but no it's definitely one of my clone x and actually while well, i say that 
Build My Like is actually a mixture of two NFTs. So my Twitter profile, it's um, it's a wolf and a, and a spotted hoodie. So the, the wolf itself is one NFT called The Lone Wolf by Jane, who is a French artist who's, who's a good friend with me now. So he made um, a collection of NFTs, which were essentially, they were called dreamers. And you, it was all a whole experience where you were going through different dreams and you had these masks which had different powers and so on and so forth. So I got that NFT because I liked it. It's called the Known Wolf. And I was only like, it's a one-on-one, so on and so forth. And I emphasized, well, oh, so Lone Wolf, that's a cool thing to have. But the, the spotted hoodie is actually my Damien Hurst currency, where I told my friend, oh, can I use my Damien Hurst currency as a background? Because NFT is going to look sick. But he accidentally inverted them together. So instead of having a background of this um, wolf that has a black um, cape, it's now a spotted cape, and it looks like a spotted hoodie. So between the, the wolf and the Damon Hurst hoodie is like, it's, I call it Drip Babushka. <laughs> so that's how it plays out. And actually, once there was a marketing push that the, the currency team were doing of, oh, hey, use your currency things as a background. And they actually like quoted me as like a, a trend set for this. I was like, oh, this is nice. But yeah, my favorite NFTs are like those three. One is, Two of them are mixture of one, which isn't an NFT right now. I should probably mint it on chain and use it. But yeah, there's all those three NFTs that people don't know for. Yeah, it's, it's a big coincidence. So, so I'll just take this uh, chance to kind of shill. Uh, so, for, <laughs> so for the projects you mentioned, um, our listeners can can go back to to listen to our interview with Chris Lee from uh, from Artifact. Uh, we, 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 we we did a podcast before the Clonex dropped, interviewing him about you know his collaboration with Murakami. And then, uh, and then, and then, people can can go back and listen to to our uh, podcast before the currency drop as well. So, we, um, Kizu and myself, we we, we discuss quite in detail, sort of Damien Hurst history, um, and then and then the currency as well. So, uh, good to see we have similar tastes. Thinking <laughs> NFTs, um, but uh, Boffin, it's been a a pleasure having you on on the show. Um, you know, talking through the the, the Reddit NFT thesis view, and then and then your general thesis in NFT has been super insightful uh, and and informative to, to to have you on the show and, and share that with us. No worries, it has been a pleasure, John. Thank you for having me. Definitely, and uh, this has been an episode of uh, Floyd's Rising. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Floor is Rising. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow and give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Remember to also follow us on Twitter at Floor is Rising. You can reach out to us or send us a question. Just send us a DM at Floor is Rising. <laughs>